At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health South Florida, as well as Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. We tend to admire athletes as examples of superior health and physical fitness, but just like the rest of us, athletes can suffer from heart disease and cardiac complications. When athletes do have heart issues, diagnosis and treatments are not necessarily straightforward. And that's where the specialty of sports cardiology comes into play. For today's podcast, I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Eli Friedman, the Medical Director of Sports Cardiology with the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, to welcome him to our program. Today, we're going to be talking about this emerging specialty of sports cardiology, which of course is relevant for professional athletes, but those of us that just consider ourselves athletic as well in our regular lives. This isn't just limited to the treatment of professional athletes. Welcome to the podcast, Eli. Dr. Fialco, thank you so much. It's really such an honor to be here and to be a part of the Baptist family now. Eli, if you don't know about our podcast, it's very informal. So for the purposes, I'm John. You got it. Easy. (laughs) This is what you call me anyway. Okay, thanks. So Eli, sports cardiology, we know there's a lot of specialties in medicine, cardiology being one. We know there's lots of subspecialties within cardiology, like arrhythmia specialists and interventionalists and heart failure specialists. Where does sports cardiology sit in our cardiology armamentarium, and how did you first become interested in developing your leadership and knowledge in sports cardiology? Yeah, so I think sports cardiology, to use a sports analogy, is sort of like the quarterback of care, cardiovascular care for an athlete. So an athlete, if he or she has cardiac complaints or cardiac concerns, maybe it's due to a family history, will maybe seek out someone um, who's, who's familiar with that. Now, specifically when it comes to athletes, we think those of us who practice sports cardiology and do it as a passion really can, can be the, the introduction to the, the cardiovascular world there. We, we can be the, the quarterback of the medical home for cardiac care for athletes. Now, now, personally, my father was a cardiologist. I was born into this field and I've been a lifelong athlete. So as I sort of matriculated through my medical career, I've merged these two fields together. And, and fortunately, there's been a wealth of data out there more recently that has supported the field. And obviously Baptist uh, supports it as well, which is why I'm here and why we're talking right now. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, and I appreciate that. So let's break it down a little bit. So specifically, let's speak about athletes who have true cardiac conditions. Mm-hmm. What makes them unique? What would make them um, specifically seek you out um, um, based on your knowledge? And you know, what kind of happens to real heavily athletic people, professional or otherwise? Yeah, so when we look at athletes, there's certainly a spectrum of athlete, whether it's an Olympic or professional level athlete, all the way through a weekend warrior. But when someone uses their body to exercise, whether it's at high intensities or just meeting the guidelines of exercise, he or she might experience symptoms in a different way than someone who's not exercising as much will experience them. And how we look into those symptoms, how we how we work them up, how we do our testing, how we treat them can oftentimes be different than somebody who isn't exercising very much. So it really takes someone who understands what an athlete is, how he or she exercises, how those symptoms might manifest, and then understanding what type of tests are going to be most beneficial in an athlete, and then understanding what types of medications uh, that we should use or maybe even we shouldn't use in athletes, because medications can have a significant impact on the performance of an athlete as well. 
So there are nuances to a person who's uh, very athletic in terms of maybe not getting the same exact approach and treatment, if you will, as someone who doesn't have those specific concerns. Is that, is that exactly? Yeah. I mean, take an athlete who says he or she is short of breath. Now that that shortness of breath could be related to multiple different factors as it could be for any type of patient, but with an athlete, there, there's specific conditions that we need to look into, but we also really need to spend a significant amount of time discussing that shortness of breath, how the athlete experiences it, which will then inform how we move forward. So what are the more common medical complaints an athlete may have that would direct them to you? And then, of course, we'll talk about, obviously, yeah. real medical disorders and stuff like that. So some of them are very typical, much like our general cardiac world. So chest pain, shortness of breath, palpitation, skipping or racing heartbeats. But how an athlete might describe those symptoms can sometimes be different. So it's not uncommon for us to see athletes who say their performance has decreased. They're not getting their times and the miles the way that they want to. They're, they're not able to cycle at the same powers that they want to. When they're on their rowing ergometer, they're not able to develop all the power that, that he or she wants. So um, those complaints are often similar, but again, it takes someone who understands the language of an athlete to then be able to delve into them and, and, and understand how we move. So to reiterate, the approach to the athlete with a complaint should be and is different than an average person who might have those same complaints. Very much so. Much like we learn a language in medicine that we're able to communicate to our patients, we, we should understand the language that our athletes use. So I'm, I'm always uh, tickled by the story that Aaron Baggish tells, which is uh, an athlete discussed with his cardiologist. He wanted to PR in his next race. And his physician took that as we use PR um, in the medical world, which is like PRN as needed. So, you know, again, understanding the language that our patients speak, understanding the language that our athletes speak is imperative to them being able to to treat. And and that speaks to something, maybe we'll take it in this direction, which I wanted to bring up. And and, and you and I have had private conversations about that. What about the psychological impact to an athlete? So let's say there's an athlete who really has a true medical problem. They develop an arrhythmia or they have a heart attack. What are the nuances that you bring to the table in conversations with them about resuming activities? Well, they're, they're significant. So um, I, I'm often reminded when, when this comes up of one of my patients who said, who was told by another cardiologist um, after he explained that he wasn't riding the way he wanted to at or after a condition that he was told, well, at least you're not dead yet. And his response to that was, well, if you take away my bike, I might as well be dead because I can't perform and do what I want to do and what I love. So the psychological impact of cardiovascular disease of decreased performance is really significant to an athlete. And when, when someone who is dedicated to exercise, is passionate about exercise, can't perform at those levels or has a cardiac condition that they now feel vulnerable with in their exercise, it's quite significant. So we spend a lot of time with our testing, with our talking, with, with our treatment plans to then help coach that athlete back in, into the, the exercise that he or she does. Um, and, and then be able to perform at the levels that he or she can. And this is not true only of people who participate in sport. This is also true with our performance artists, so dancers. Um, this is true with our tactical or occupational athletes, first responders, EMS, fire, police officers. I mean, we even think of non-traditional athletes now. So Amazon has athletic trainers at their facility. So everybody who, who uses their body as part of their, their occupation, it, it's really important that we're able to address that as well in the same light. You had mentioned earlier that some of the medications we might routinely use in treating our cardiovascular patients, uh, whether it be for prevention or for true disorders, can have more significant negative impacts in athletes, and um, you try to avoid those or work around those or give alternatives. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
Absolutely. So I'm going to use just two technical terms briefly, but I'll explain what they mean. So things like beta blockers or the non-dihydropyramine calcium channel blockers. So these are things like metoprolol, atenolol, or deltaism, verapamil. These are medications which are very good and, and they work and they do the job they're supposed to. But if an athlete is prescribed these as a first-line agent without necessarily a clear indication for that versus another choice, we may find that the athlete has had significant impacts to their performance. They, they do what's called negative inotrope, negative chronotropic drugs, which can decrease the performance of the heart. So we have to be careful with those. But then again, as we get into our, our sanctioned athletes, Olympic level, professional level, we always have to be careful with things like diuretics because they can show up in, in uh, urine testing. So th that could render the athlete potentially liable in a, in a drug test. So, you know, again, just the understanding what goes into an athlete and then what comes out in terms of the medications that we use and how they impact performance and, and well-being. Um, Eli, let's talk about supplements. We know it's a multi-billion dollar industry. A lot of it is geared towards uh, the, the idea of improving athletic performance. What do you see as concerns for uh, athletes and, and your patients take supplements? Where do you think they're okay? What's your usual engagement and discussion with uh, patients who come to see you? Yeah, great question. So oftentimes athletes will be asked about their medications and they say they're taking no medicines, but then you have to go that next step further, which is what supplements are you doing? Because a lot of people who take their athletics seriously are using supplements. So um, I am always careful with this because um, what you think goes into supplements may not be there. What doesn't go into supplements may be there actually. And, and again, going into drug testing. So I tend to individualize this and have a discussion with each individual. We'll hear things like beetroot juice, citrulline, arginine, arginine, so a lot of these things can be beneficial, but um, it is a detailed discussion and you want to make sure that the athlete understands why he or she is doing it and what the desired outcome is while being wary of the fact that there can sometimes be things in them that we're not expecting and that can hurt us. And it becomes a critical part of your evaluation of the patient and uh, your treatment plan and recommendations. It's a hundred percent. You know, I spend a significant amount of time talking not only about the symptoms or the reason that the athlete comes in, but we talk about sleep. We talk about nutrition. We talk about hydration because uh, these are really important holistic uh, items that go into the care of an athlete. Um, let's let's switch gears for a little bit and talk about COVID-19. I know um, you've brought a lot to the table in the Baptist Health System regarding your connections with various athletic programs. Um, what what are we seeing in the athletic world um, in terms of its impact of COVID-19? First and foremost, I hope all of the listeners are safe and that nobody in their family have been impacted by this or worse. So uh, certainly anybody who has uh, our sympathies go out to and we hope that they're doing well. And kudos to Baptist for just doing a phenomenal job and all healthcare workers for their care of this. This has been a very challenging time. For those of us in the sports cardiology world, the, the last several months have just been all COVID all the time. And this virus, for whatever reason, seems to have just an increased risk of causing cardiac effects. Now, whether that's blood clots, whether that's arrhythmias, heart dangerous heart rhythms, or whether we're actually seeing that this virus is showing up in the autopsies of people who've unfortunately passed away from this, this virus has significant cardiac effects. And when we think of athletes or people who exercise at very high intense levels, we do have concerns with that. And specifically, it relates to this condition called myocarditis. And when people have inflammation or infection of the heart um, and they exercise at high levels, there's pretty good data out there that suggests that it could lead to a risk of sudden cardiac arrest. So we're being very diligent. We're being very careful in how we are triaging our athletes and their return to sport. Most of this is focusing on our higher, our higher level athletes, so college, professional, Olympic level. But I think we still need to have the same care with our athletes 
who have been infected by this and then want to get back into their sport. So a slow resumption of activity, being mindful of any symptoms they had or are still having, and then triaging and dedicating our testing based on that. Now, what we do for a professional team or an Olympic level athlete may be different than a weekend warrior, but I think that the, the important information is you need to listen to your body and you need to pay attention to it. If your body's telling you something, that's not a day to go out and do high intensity interval training. Um, slow resumption of activity after COVID. And again, if you're one of those higher level athletes, we, we do have treatment algorithms that have been developed to help get the athlete back into sport. Do you have any general recommendations you would make to athletes if they are recovering from other medical illnesses? For example, if someone's got a bad flu and they're achy and feverish, should they go out and exercise to burn off the virus or should they rest and let the virus take its course? It's a phenomenal question. So the if you look at sort of histories of people who've had unfortunate events during exercise, when I say unfortunate events, I mean sudden cardiac arrest. If you go back and look, maybe some of them had a viral illness at the time or just leading up to the event that they had. And um, I think we all need to be careful that when we don't feel well, that we need to slowly resume activity. When when you've got the flu, or even if you just have a cough or a cold, maybe that's not the day to go do that high intense training. Maybe that we should be a little bit mindful of going out and running a marathon. And I know that's difficult for people who have trained and have spent all this time preparing for it. But my adage is always listen to your body. It's when we don't listen to our bodies that bad things can happen, whether that's a heart illness, whether that's respiratory illness, whether even that's a knee problem. If your body's telling you something in my world, you're better off listening to it and getting help and then being reassured versus pushing through and maybe having something bad happen. So basically a very athletic person whose body's at peak physical fitness is still not superhuman. No, you know, if you look at Olympic level athletes and very high level athletes, respiratory illness plays a significant role in decreased performance. And there's data out there that supports that, that just coughs, colds, viral illnesses, or even pneumonias can significantly impact how an athlete then performs later on. So um, COVID has made me wonder whether or not we should be taking these sort of smaller viral illnesses more seriously. And if we should have greater concerns, we don't have good data to support the long-term effects of that, but definitely in the short term, it reinforces my need to make sure every athlete knows those days when you don't feel well, don't push it, listen to your body, stay hydrated, you know, take care of yourself. There will be more days to exercise and push. Eli, I, I, I'm confident our listeners recognize your, your passion and your incredible knowledge regarding this uh, rapidly developing area of sports cardiology. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining our Baptist system and our MCBI cardiology um, uh, uh, group in space. And I, I, I really um, um, look forward to working with you on many of these and future endeavors um, as we go forward. Um, any final comments you'd like to bring up to our listeners or anything that's of more importance than others that you want to uh, reiterate before we close? Yeah, up? That, that, was, that was very formal for an informal podcast, but I'm humbled by that. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I, it I truly, love when I have podcasts that I learned from, and we've talked yeah. you know, for hours about this, but there's always, there's always a pearl it, in there. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it, this is truly um, unique in, in certainly the South Florida, and I would argue the, the state in general, and we're, and we're privileged to be able to provide that, and I'm privileged to be a part of it. The one thing I definitely want to leave listeners with is, you know, Everything we've talked about is really important, but despite our best efforts, despite trying able to trying to be able to get to every athlete out there, cardiac arrest will happen, and, and that's what we care about. That that's what we're trying to prevent by being accessible to our athletes. So, what I always encourage everybody to do is to learn CPR, learn how to use an AED, 
be ready to respond if something really bad happens. We're far more likely to do CPR and need an AED inside of our homes with our families. So I think it's an important skill that we all should have. It's something we should practice. I know it's going to be a big part of what we're dealing with, what we're trying to develop at Baptist, making CPR and AED usage accessible to everybody. So especially for those who are engaged with athletes, know CPR, know how to recognize a cardiac arrest and then know how to use an AED. Because if you can respond to somebody quickly, you're very likely to be able to save their lives. So I know uh, you've been very, uh, very active in working with various organizations towards uh, both the education and deployment of, of those uh, types of uh, methods. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll bring you back for another part podcast to talk about, you know, public and community uh, health awareness and opportunities um, uh, to prevent, you know, bad cardiac outcomes and other me- medical problems in the future. So I appreciate anytime. That. I mean, we've worked with the Dolphins, we've worked with the Panthers on this, and, and we only look forward to furthering those relationships and making this accessible for everybody. So whenever you tell me, John, I'll be there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, so again, to our listeners, um, uh, we'll have program notes about Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute and certainly about Dr. Friedman and his role in sports cardiology and how uh, you may contact him if uh, so desired. Um, as usual, if you have any thoughts or comments or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Thank you very much and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.